Welcome to the Cobra Cast with the present VP. For this episode, we would like to thank these valued partners. Is your scratched window ruining your view? Starting from scratch to your experts at removing scratches from windows and any glass surface. Whether it's general scratches around the home or a knife graffiti tag shop front, they can remove it. They're also helping the environment by saving the window from being dumped into landfill while bringing the glass back to its former glory without the scratches. Don't replace your scratched window. Repair it with Starting From Scratched, your glass and scratch removal specialist for home, shop fronts and cars. Call today for a quote, 87595629 or find out more at startingfromscratch.com.au. Welcome back for another episode of the Cobracast with the President VP. I'm the host, Ricky Rifty, the Prez Logan. Got my co-host, Ricky Ekdog, VP Ettridge. Uh, welcome back to the show and welcome, Epdog. Uh, how are you today, mate? Oh, yeah. Just just, just, just getting along. I haven't, just... haven't seen another person outside of my family in quite a while now. So, you know, <laughs> besides you on the screen, it's pretty much the only... Starting to get batshit crazy. Oh, yeah, it's getting a bit that way. But, hey, I've got plenty of shows to watch. I'll be right. Plenty of sport. 20 days straight of footy. NBA is back. Yeah, back. NHL's Hockey's back. You've been getting, getting to see a bit of the blues, mate, the punch ones in the NHL. And, uh, I'm even watching bloody soccer. <laughs> you are only watching soccer because I was starting to get very animated. And you're like, what the fuck's going on there? The footy's, yeah, yeah. nothing's going on. Well, I'll tell you what, I've been getting into the rugby a bit. I've never been a rugby. Oh. I never w- watched it, but. I know why. I know exactly why you get into it, into rugby, mate. Yeah, but I'm actually enjoying it. I don't mind it. You're obviously winning more money on that than the footy, which is why you're enjoying it. Well, that plays a little bit of a part in it, but <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind the game, and it's actually it's grown on me a bit. Uh, it's grown, yeah. I've even got some, you know, favourite players and stuff going on. Now, so yeah, you're doing better. I have a favourite team. That's about it. And that's because I'm in Melbourne, so. Yeah. I, don't, I don't mind rugby. I don't, I don't love the game. I don't hate the game. Like I won't. If a storm are playing and I'm having a few beers, I won't turn it off. But, yeah, oh, I actually, well, you are a soccer fan, so I am. It is understandable that you probably don't get into rugby as much because you know it's probably a bit too hard for you. <laughs> you know, a bit too physical. A bit too just <laughs> running, bang, nod heads. Oh, there we yeah. go. <laughs> Yeah, there is. I gotta admit, I don't really know many of the rules, and so when they're resetting oh, it, Jesus and Christ, sorry. restart, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, I'm like, oh, what the hell happened there? But, <laughs> I've, I've, but at the same time, the amount of people that would sit there and say that about um, NFL gridiron, you'd be like, yeah, well, this is what happened. Like you, you probably know, you are a fan of probably the most, in my opinion, one of the hardest sports to learn the rules of and understand the rules. Yeah, it's, it's very technical and it's, um, but it's, it's also, we, we've had this discussion before with somebody when we've chatted to it, uh, somebody in America that the rules in AFL are probably a lot more difficult than the gridiron. Yeah, I would say so. Because there's I mean, a lot more room for uh, error. Right. With Our, the umpires, the, where the umpires uh, of the AFL don't know the fucking rules. What chance? Yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing is, with gridiron, you don't agree with a call. You throw a flag and get to challenge it, and they'll look at yep. five thousand replays, and they'll nut it down at every last thing, and go, "Oh no." Whereas, like 
even in Aussie rules, you could say, oh, I touched the footy and the goal umpire goes, no, mate, I said it's a goal. Yeah. They might go, oh, if they, go to the, they might review it. They go to the video review, which the footage of is pixelated like, like shit. And yeah, no it looks like it was on. recorded yeah. on a VCR. and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Recorded on a Nokia 3315. They didn't yeah. even have cameras. Yeah, anyway, mate, um, speaking of, of sports, horse racing is a sport. Yes, yes. That horse brings us to... There is there's amazingly a link here between <laughs> between horse racing and where we're going to today. Yeah, well, we're going over to Hong Kong, mate. So we were excited for this one. It was one of the ones we're looking forward to. We look forward to all of them, obviously. I um, just looked forward to this one to see to know to realize how close to Hong Kong Dragons I was when I was in was a, yeah, when I was in Hong Kong and didn't know they existed. And it was turned out about five K. Yeah. Like you could have even gone there now. In yeah. lockdown. Hey, I was just like, <laughs> not going to leave my house, but no, you're right. Yeah, I thought we'd be able to get, yeah. You would have been able to walk down to the ground during lockdown and got done your hour of exercise. Yeah, times are changing, mate. Yeah, times are changing. But yeah, we are going to Hong Kong. We're going to speak with uh, Alex and Kobe uh, from the Hong Kong Dragons. Um, and yeah, it's safe to say, I reckon. We may lose our runner to Hong Kong once he finds out where they're training and what they do. And I won't give too much away because it's in the episode, so you got to watch it. But um, yeah, let's get over it so you can get back to watching your soccer. Yeah, so and, been, and, and been a few animated moments during this. Mate, they're up at the moment, so it's all good. Yeah, yeah, on to enjoy it. this one, Hong Kong Dragons. Um, we'll catch you on the next one. All right, today we are joined by Alex and Kobe from the uh, Hong Kong Dragons. How are you going, guys? Good, thanks, mate. Good to, have, good to be on. Very good, very good. Ah, thanks for joining us. We, we're uh, keen to finally learn a bit about the Hong Kong Dragons. Um, but first of all, whereabouts are the Dragons based in Hong Kong? So the Dragons... Um, People may not really know the sort of locality, but obviously Hong Kong, um, is Hong Kong Island is what most people see. They see the bright lights, the you know, the buildings and that sort of thing. Um, majority of our players live on Hong Kong Island, um, which is sort of around where we play and we train. And I can sort of talk a little bit about that a little bit later. Um, that we're the only team in Hong Kong. Um, we're the we're the one one club, one uh, country type team, um, and we also split up into some sort of more local comps as well and, and play against each other as well so we don't sort of travel too much because obviously being the only club, you can't play against everyone every week. So Yeah, nice. So how did you both end up over in Hong Kong in the first place? Um, I was uh, lucky enough to be transferred here for work back in 2012 um uh, doing kind of a, a run-of-the-mill sales job for a taxation consultancy, but... I uh, was lucky enough in my first week to go to the uh, one of the more expat uh, bars and was suggested to get down to Happy Valley Racecourse uh, for a kick of football <laughs> around around the middle. Slightly confusing when you're associating uh, football clubs with uh, racetracks. It's usually more on the punt than you'd think to actually be training on the middle. Um, but joined the Dragons back, yeah, in kind of late 2012 and have been involved ever since. Yeah, pretty, pretty similar for me. Uh, I go over here in um, 2016. Uh, I'm a teacher as well and basically um, was living in Dubai at the time, was playing a bit of footy over there 
um, for the Hong Kong, uh, for the Dubai Dragons uh, as well, the namesakes, and uh, moved across here and walked down to watch the footy one night and met uh, 40 blokes down watching the footy. And uh, next thing you know, it you're on a plane going somewhere to play footy. Um, and that's sort of how it is. And that was, yeah, that's uh, four years ago now. So I haven't looked back. Yeah, nice. It's a, it's a shame we're going to have to cut that bit out, uh, Alex, about Happy Valley, because if a few of our boys find out that there's footy getting played just near Happy Valley, um, <laughs> we'll lose half our freaking team because... <laughs> I know, I know. There's plenty of guys after they've had a, a bad night on bad day on the punt, they're then back onto you know Happy Valley on Saturday Happy nights trying to, <laughs> trying to reclaim. Yeah, yeah so um, we're going to have to cut that out. All right, sorry. Going <laughs> <laughs> to have no players left by the end of these uh, interviews, rifts. Um, so when and how were the Dragons founded, and why yeah. did they choose the name the Dragons? Yeah, good question. Look, it's a little bit. Um, the, the club's actually older than probably nearly both of us, actually. Oh, <laughs> they were, were the first club founded in Asia. Um, so back in 1989, Ray Wood, the uh, founding president of the Dragons, um, essentially was a, you know, an, an expat with a group of mates who decided to have a kick one day and then kind of which built into something more, more than what they originally thought, but obviously something that they're very proud of to be able to form. Um, in 1989, obviously, they're... And they played some rounds of matches here in Hong Kong um, for the first ever games in Asia, or first ever official games in Asia. Um, and then, you know, the day after the 1990 Grand Final, um, they played what they be, what's been termed as the first, you know, AFL Asia match. Um, since then, you know, there's been many iterations of expats that have gone through Hong Kong that have kind of carried that baton um, in, in, over the last, you know, what nearly 30, over 30 years now. Um, we've had a you know a, a very successful run of you know great players being able to come through and even greater administrators um, to be able to you know, help the club form what it is today um, without really miss, without really skipping a beat. We've been able to you know be involved in every Asian Championship um, right from when they began in in the early two thousand or late nineties um, to to what it is today with having over fifteen thousand. You know, active players across Asia, Asia Pacific or across Asia um, playing AFL. So, I mean, from the late 80s right through to kind of the early 2000s, um, there was, you know, an occasional tour, but really that when Asian champs formed, it really became, you know, the focal point of the season for us, um, for the Dragons. And then, you know, it was really built into, you know, more of a kind of local competition as, as Kobe alluded to earlier. But you know, has always been a, and always been remains as a you know an international touring team. Um, yeah, we've been able to participate in, in numerous Manila Cups, one of the one of the great tour fixtures, um, mainly for the off the field antics than, than the on the field. Um, but obviously, being based here in Hong Kong, we've been lucky enough that you know for you know really from the early two thousand and the China boom, we've been able to sustain a a lot of expats coming through. There's you know ninety five thousand Australian passport holders in Hong Kong making it one of the uh, largest cities outside of your, your, your big cities in Australia. And um, we've also been lucky enough that through the strength of, you know, the Hong Kong business market, we've been able to have, you know, a range of ex-AFL players who have gone into their own businesses or into large Australian multinational organisations to come through and play for us. As well as then something we'll touch upon later is, you know, the sponsorship that we've got and the partnership we have with the Port Adelaide Football Club, as well as a AFL Asia 
and then obviously back to AFL House and the support we've got, you know, being essentially the the leader of, of what football is in Asia today and particularly the push from the AFL into China. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's such a rich history. Um, I was just looking up to see where you guys were training and I actually went to Hong Kong probably uh, seven years ago now. I'm actually devastated. I didn't know there was a footy club in Hong Kong back then because I'm just looking at it. It's about uh, 13K from where I stayed in before I went to Disneyland. So it would have been nice to know that back then. I would have come down and had a kick with you. Uh, Hong Kong's a long way, mate. So. <laughs> oh, yeah, trust me. I, as I was sitting there going, oh, sorry, 16 minutes, 7K. I'm sitting there going, 7K. Oh, it's actually a long way in Hong Kong because I do remember uh, that place. Um, lovely part of the world, Dave Rift. Give you get a chance, mate. Head across there. Um, so how many players do you guys like currently have coming through? The club um we we hover around the sort of 90 to 100 sort of paid members um and that's sort of guys that are actively playing um within that are probably about a quarter at the moment are the the girls team which is aflw um which has been formed for about three years now and um which has been a great addition to you know the, the evolution of the dragons over the past uh, sort of decade or so and um so we have, we're a very transient place. Obviously, Alex mentioned, you know, we have people come through for business and work. They come for their two or three years and then they sort of keep coming. So it's really credit to what we've got here is that culture. We continue to have and hover around that, around 100, you know, members and let alone the social members that sort of pop along and that as well. Yeah, that's a decent bloody numbers, that's for sure. Um, you mentioned the women's team. How did, how did that all come about and, and how are they travelling? Yeah, so um, I think it was uh, 2018 was the first champs that they ended up playing. It was um, Vietnam started up with a bit of a team going on over there and looking for some, we had a bunch of girls that were playing in our local comp with us and just sort of wanted to really leverage that the connections that we have here as well. Um, there's a big, strong Gaelic football league here too. Uh, with a lot of Irish guys that normally come across and play a little bit in our, our comp as well. And, and as well as with their girls team as well, they're trying to get across and trying to make that connection a bit better. And um, back in, so back in 2018, uh, Jess Cole, who's the head of our president of our AFLW team, um, she started formulating with a, a small little crew and started doing some recruitment. And um, they showed up at the first AFL Asia champs and actually went down by a kick in the final. So credit to them for many of these girls that were, you know, six to eight weeks ago, hadn't picked up a footy. Uh, that they go down by, you know, just by a single kick in a, in a, in a you know, AFL Asia champ um, was pretty amazing. So, yeah, that's, that's uh, impressive how quickly they were able to get it up and, and be competitive. Uh, how, how have the girls gone getting um, the locals involved? Have they, have they recruited many locals or is it a lot of all expats? Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting question. I know kind of, I've seen some of the uh, podcasts you've recorded before with. Uh, one of Port Pirie's greatest exports, Matty Gale, and you've got uh, Mr. AFL Asia himself, Ola down there in Bali running F45s and dishing, dishing, out, dishing out elbows and heckling us when we play them. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of teams that have really leveraged their local connections into the into where they are. And you know, just due to having less expats in the region, they've been able to recruit a lot out of local communities. Here in Hong Kong, you know, the local community which we've recruited out of essentially has been actually within the Greater Bay Area or, or you know, the Shenzhen, Guangdong, mainland China area, which you know, we can touch on around how the, the South China AFL was formed. 
we haven't been, you know, here in Hong Kong, we've been blessed to have, you know, such a strong expat community that's driven the football club. And no, we, don't, we haven't had you know, the, the reliance to have to, you know, go through a deep recruiting, you know, phases into, you know, local universities or other sports. Hong Kong is a place that's dominated by US and UK sports. You know, you've got football, rugby, basketball all have such huge followings. Um, so actually having the AFL break into local um, communities is quite difficult here. The AFL Auskick has been much more successful than we have been. Um, and also just, you know, the feedback we've, we've, we've constantly got is that, you know, obviously, you know, no one really knows much about AFL in Hong Kong. So we've always tried to advertise, but even then the cut through hasn't been as strong as what, we're, what we'd like. And also, you know, Hong Kong's got some of the longest working hours in the world for all of us and being a volunteer-run um, organisation, it's quite difficult to, uh, you know, spend the time probably necessary to really dedicate ourselves to having that, you know, local following. Um, the girls have, have, have gone through um, a similar process with, with, with their team. Majority of, of, the t- of the team are, you know, Australian expats or as... Kobe mentioned, you know, the, the Gaelic girls who, who have come across or, or girls who have played Gaelic football in the past mm-hmm. that want to continue across a full year, you know, continually playing sport. So we've seen, you know, uptick in that space. So one of the rules we have with our local football league is that you have to have um, 25% on the field have to be non-Australian passport holders. Um, so we have obviously had to bring in um, people in, 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 into the team to help grow the game that's always been a found a formation of the south china afl league which we've had um, to really push the game on on our behalf yeah it sounds like a bit of an issue everywhere throughout not just asia but the world is trying to get that breakthrough into mainstream media considering that so many american sports that are uh, somewhat similar get through so easily it's not so easy for the australian sports but um so you mentioned before about how you guys run your own little league uh, called the Hong Kong AFL, where you guys make up a handful of teams to play each other. Because obviously, as we've learned in Asia, traveling to play a game of football is quite significant. So you need to try and play footy wherever you can. Um, so how do you guys run that league? And I just want to point out, Rifty, they've got a good team name in there as well. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're talking to two, two Cobras here, mate. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, yeah, so the, the scaffold's been around for how many years now, Alex? Yeah, so, so the scaffold was formed in 2011. Yeah. And we were lucky enough to get some funding from um, the AFL, but also through connections here in Guangzhou. Um, Tom Dooley, or Grant Dooley, um, who was the Consul General in Guangzhou and, and a good Australian, um, good Melbourneian, um, you know, had a group of expats in Guangzhou that wanted to play football. Obviously, we had the Dragons, wanted to kind of continually play and use um, you know, our numbers to you know, build up teams going into the Asian champs. And also Macau, which is only an hour away by ferry, another good talking point for the boys on the, on the punt. Um, yeah, that, they had a team as well. So in 2011, uh, Darren Flanagan, um, the former Geelong Ruckman, um, came up here as a development coach um, and helped form uh, what is now known as the South China AFL. So back in 2011, we had, you know, the, the uh, three teams in Hong Kong, the Reds, Whites and Blues. Um, and then, you know, 12 months later, we, we decided to, you know, align the team names with uh, the AFL Ozkick, who was the, uh, the Lantau Lizards, 
the uh, Hong Kong typhoons and the uh, the mighty Kowloon Cobras. So back in kind of 2011-2012, and we had you know strong support from AFL House, but then importantly was we started making a strong connections with Port Adelaide Football Club. Um, Koshi's uh, had family in Hong Kong, which obviously helped that cause and helped kind of plant the seed, and uh, which then formed into Port Adelaide's you know Greater China Strategy, and uh, which was essentially based upon what we'd done with AFL here. Mm -hmm. And then obviously through the support of the Dragons set up the uh, Guangzhou Scorpions, which now have a, uh, a fully local team, which play um, games of uh, nine aside when they're not playing South China AFL. And then obviously they split into uh, two greater teams um, to play against us in what is the South China AFL this year, or oh, last year. This, this year is a little bit different, obviously uh, with COVID. Crossing the borders and, a bit different. Yeah, restriction. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the two hour train ride to Guangzhou and you know, multiple passport checks and ID checks and getting on buses to travel around uh, mainland China. Yeah, has obviously uh, been cancelled for this year and we formed what is now known as the uh, Hong Kong uh, AFL League for, for, the, for the coming 12 months. So you mentioned about um, how you managed to align yourself with Port Adelaide through just the, uh, the luck, I guess, of having Koshi's family living across there. When they wanted to like head into Asia and head into China, did you guys speak to them at all about the uh, type of things they may need to look at in strategies and everything like that? Yeah, so we 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 had organised some and helped them organise involved with some senior business leaders here. But you know, as, as, as you know, the AFL like to manage AFL things. Um, they they have their views out of AFL house in which. Uh, they believe uh, it, 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 it and all. So they they manage the majority of it. And, you know, I say that loosely about Koshi's uh, family being here, but it was obviously a, a good starting point for us to, you know, go to Oskick and be able to, to talk to him. And, and obviously, you know, the Port Adelaide team sort of come up through here. Um, yeah, the, it's, Hong Kong's always been known as, as a bit of an AFL hub for, for mainly footy trips. But also, you know, into China back in 2008 with the Melbourne um, game, um, there was always a connection um, with the AFL. And, you know, they had Tom Parker came on as the AFL China um, representative there at AFL House and helped grow and help build those relationships with, you know, the Chinese government, um, Chinese sponsors, importantly. But also basing, you know, what we play, which would, now, which would be known as kind of AFLX in Australia, which is kind of how you know, building a product for the local markets, you know, was obviously spoken about quite heavily. And, you know, that's hence why, you know, you had AFLX a couple of years ago was to see whether that format of the game, you know, could be exported internationally, which kind of we were a part of that kind of founding group back in, you know, the A eighty nine with Ray Wood in Hong Kong. Yeah, we're learning that with um, every club we speak to around the world, majority of them play a nine setup, so similar to AFLX. So we're sort of learning that, if the AFL had actually went about AFLX the way that a lot of clubs or countries around the world do and not make it so Mickey Mouse, it actually probably really could have taken off. But because they decided that people may not appreciate it, let's add plenty of gimmicks to it. I think that's a big reason why it unfortunately didn't take off and help. Because if it had to take off, it definitely would have helped clubs all around the world with people getting drawn to the game from their countries and going, oh, they've got that game there. So. And that was the most disappointing part from our side was that you know, the, the, the reasoning for having an AFLX was to build a product to take internationally, but then the gimmicky side took away from the actual strategic objectives of what AFLX was supposed to do. 
So, you know, for us, you know, the, the game, we play 12 aside typically on a, on a rugby pitch, so it's a little bit more condensed. Um, you know, we see what we've done here in Hong Kong applicable across, you know, in multiple areas in, in Greater mm. China and, and, and across the rest of Asia. You know, AFL, the Asian champs and tournaments, we obviously want to be playing on a full-size football pitch, but... You know, reality is just space being a fairly substantial issue for us here in Hong Kong, being the most densely populated country in the world. Um, you know, we have to take take what we can, and that's typically a, a rugby or soccer pitch, and you know, make do. And that would have, you know, the AFLX was a great idea, and kind of it really fits the mould of what could be exported. But you know, I think there was an opportunity missed there to really take it internationally, in which you know was hopefully their, their initial thoughts. Yeah, well, hopefully now with a bit of time to time on their hands, with things being at a standstill for a while, they have time to plan some of those things a bit better. And you know, to me, it was one of those things that if you're trying to build a product to go international, why not take it internationally in the first place? Why not play it over in Hong Kong or one of these? Well, that's one of the, already already yeah, playing it. That was actually the original one of the original ideas was to host it in Hong Kong um, at one of the sports grounds here. So there was meetings that were just that had you know senior individuals at AFL House involved with, and um, you know I think bringing what ten <laughs> blokes from from Australia on on essentially a uh, junket to Hong Kong, <laughs> what three weeks before a football season at the peak of racing season when you've got international race week, you've got you know at the rugby sevens is typically on around that time. You know, I don't think it's. Um, I don't think that that was really uh, pushed in the right direction for, for for a lot of AFL clubs. Yeah, it was it was a, a bit of a throw together, I think, in the end, really. Um, but you mentioned that you guys trained at near Happy Valley and stuff. So, and rugby fields are where you get to play your games. But whereabouts do you actually train all the time and and play those uh, Hong Kong AFL games? So we, we, one of the biggest challenges for us here, and as Alex mentioned about the, the population density that we've got here is finding grounds. Uh, and because we're a volunteer club, we don't have technically feeder organisations and all these sorts of things going on. We can't actually register as a, as a full organisation. And that's one of our biggest challenges at the moment. We're technically a social organisation, which gives us some ability to, to advance book on certain things. Um, but basically uh, anyone can book our training ground. And um, our training ground is, a, is uh, in the middle of Happy Valley, uh, pitch six, and uh, it's a rugby pitch. And to be fair, getting that even then, we have a, a group chat that gets up every 10 days before we need to train. So it's a 10 day rolling booking. And there's about eight or nine of us all trying to log onto this system just to try and book a ground. And it's, you know, it's hit and miss. Sometimes it's, all right, boys, we're going for a run this week and uh, no, no grounds or, you know, we luck out and we get the perfect location and, and that sort of stuff. So, you know, day to day, we try and get that, that happy valley also has a, run, a bunch of soccer pitches that are a little bit smaller, you know, and that's always the, the backup there if we need. Um, but lately we've been able to secure some really good connections with the, the cultural services department here. And um, we've got a really nice ground up in Sai Kung, um, which is actually one of the very few grass pitches in Hong Kong. <laughs> because most of what we play on is artificial and um, we've made able to secure some, some fixtures for that. And then obviously um, the last six months hasn't gone to plan with footy. Um, so we've all had to put that on hold. Um, but that's, a, that's, a, that's a ripper little ground. It's out a little bit further out of Hong Kong, sort of up in the, in what you'd call the, the jungle or the village as Alex calls it. And, um, you know, we play a game out there on, on some, 
uh, in the middle of an athletic track and there's, you know, it's a, it's a grass wicket, um, which is actually pretty nice. You play your games and then you jump on a boat and drink some beers and you sail back into Hong Kong. Uh, it's a pretty nice way to play some footy. Yeah, it would be, uh, it would be great to finally get your feet on some grass after playing on artificial. We had to do our pre-season on an artificial uh, soccer field and um, as nice as it is like to have a nice flat surface where you know a lot of times we do our pre-seasons in a dog park or wherever we can and there could be whatever running around potholes and whatnot so it was good to have a flat surface but I couldn't imagine getting tackled on there too often because you end up with bloody <laughs> half yeah. a burn and we had we had a game uh, a couple few years back which is notorious uh, in, in Dragons history where we had I think Two or three people not completely out um, <laughs> after you know hitting the deck a little bit too hard. Yeah, there was broken bones and yeah. you know it's, a, it's it's one of the issues that you're always going to face with with ground availability here in Hong Kong. Um, you know before COVID, um, uh, you know being able to travel twice a year to China, <clears throat> where we used to play on the uh, 2009 Asian Games. Asian uh, they Games, they had yeah. cricket in the Asian Games, so they had a uh, a stadium built for those two weeks which was then never used again so they had a <laughs> link to the university there yeah. <laughs> so they had a pitch that was the size of um the size of the mcg and as immaculate as the mcg but never used um so we were always quite happy to take the two and a half hour train trip to, to play on that just due to the nature of hong kong just having you know just not that availability of, of, of grounds for us but you know, moving forward, obviously, you know, out in Saikung, we, we have the capability to play on grass pitches, but, you know, ultimately it's a, it's a week-by-week proposition, really, in terms of being able to book grounds just due to the saturation of, of soccer and, and rugby um, teams and social leagues and touch and, you know, all those pieces which make life a little bit harder for us up here. Yeah, it's a unique challenge that you guys face uh, over there, which... Um... Yeah, we're learning that a lot of clubs have their own challenges to, to, to play footy. And one thing that we admire is that in, in spite of all those challenges, that there's still some decent quality football and good numbers getting played uh, all around the world. And um, uh, we have guys complain that we don't get to use our ground for, you know, two months at the end of, uh, for start of pre-season. And we're like, Jesus, guys are... <laughs> In, in yep. Hong Kong, they can't even, you know, they might rock up to train one day and there's bloody soccer getting already played on their ground. They can't train. So, Right. When we're, when we're recording this, we've been back at training for two weeks. Can't use our rooms yet. We've got blokes whinging about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, oh. got, they finally got let out of their houses to go to training and the first thing they say is, oh, can I go into change rooms? No, you can't. You read the, read the post, the emails, you wouldn't know this, but... Change rooms are a luxury. <laughs> yeah. So that's what we've been saying here. All our guys are like, mate, if you listen to all the episodes and see how many struggles these other clubs have all around the world, you'll, you have, we have nothing to bitch about over here because we can, we can drive about five minutes in any direction and we'll be on a footy oval. So Exactly. We definitely take that for granted over here, that's for sure. Um. But you mentioned the Asian Championships and that you guys uh, competed from the start. How have you gone in those tournaments and the other tournaments across Asia? Yeah, so we I, I haven't done the count more recently, but we were uh, until, I'm not too sure, but we still are, but we, we've won six uh, Asian champs, which would put us, I think, level with the Singapore Wombats. 
um, out since since the formation. Um, more recently, um, you know, we went back to back in 2012, 2013, and then again in 2015 uh, with some pretty pretty handy teams going through those years. Mm-hmm. Guys like uh, former Adelaide player Luke Jericho and um, playing. We had you know Math- Matty Jackson who was at St Kilda in the first. Sandringham's Dragon to be uh, to be recruited uh, back in the early nineties in ninety two, so we've had some we had some really good team, really strong teams through those years, which is also you know the peak of the Australian expat diaspora here in Hong Kong. And uh, more recently, uh, we came runners up last year, and in, in between we've picked up a, a range of Manila Cups, which is almost the secondary Asian champs of the year, probably the second most well participated um, competition. Mm. Um, I guess you know in the early two thousands, yeah, we were we, we were the, we were very dominant. The, the Dragons were until they um, <laughs> they let in one of the Dubai teams, the Dubai Heat, to play uh, for for four years, which I think they won four in a row when they brought over all, all the mining boys. Um, but outside of that, we've um, we've consistently been um, quite successful, or, or at least um, have been within the the top four teams across the region. And that's also due to the number of players in which we're able to draw upon. The last kind of 12 months, as we've seen, you know, our numbers still maintain quite strong. We've also supplemented our team with um, recruiting the the under-17s Auskick team to come to play as well. So we're hoping they'll be our top-up players, similar to the way in which an an Australian footy club would play with your under-18 supplementing your, your senior footy teams moving forward. So, you know, obviously this year's a, you know, question marks all, all over around if they will run an Asian Champs. But, you know, I think, you know, having, we, we typically have entered since 2015, three teams. So the, the two, two men's teams, one in the Division One, one in Division Two, and, and the AFLW. So we've always had a strong contingency of, of, of travellers, um, of, of touring, which is always, you know, not just footy, but also the attraction to play, you know, in, in, the, in the after matches as well. Yeah, awesome. Uh, you mentioned the Manila Cup at the time of recording this, our episode with uh, Derek Acri from uh, oh, yeah. the, the Philippines is just aired on Facebook. Um, and he mentioned about the Manila Cup and it sounds like a, a decent trip to be involved in, a different, de- decent tournament. It's always been one of the great... So it's, 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 it's funny, so the, the guys who run the Philippine Eagles have always had strong connections back um, to Australia, so they've always been able to get you know former AFL players to come be the ambassadors for the for the round. So you know we used to get the likes of you know Dale Waitman and Bruce Dool and you know the, the kind of you know the, those older legends come and you know run water and you know say a few words and do a sportsman's night. You know the kind of things that you know we miss you know on a regular basis here in Asia. So we've always had you know strong tours to Manila just. Due to the nature that they've they've just made into such a good tournament, the last two years, obviously with you know AFL in China, um, they've had the the Shanghai Cup rather than the Manila Cup, um, which has been you know more more formal, I guess, in terms of the running of the of, of the cup that would be more closely aligned with Asian chance. Whereas Manila was always social football that got you know very competitive very quickly, um, but then became very social straight after again. It's a great way to you know catch up with. You know, a lot of blokes who have moved around the around yeah. the region as well. Hong Kong, as as Kobe mentioned, is a very transient place, but most people you know try and stay in Asia as long as they can. Um, so a lot of our players, you know, have gone to Singapore or Vietnam or 
up to China where we all get to kind of get back together um, for, for these local tours. So we've mentioned China a couple of times throughout, excuse me, throughout this chat about the uh, Port Adelaide games up there. Um, you guys had the luxury to go up there and watch them games or have the club had any uh, involvement at all in any of them games? Like a, I mentioned yeah. Kick and type of stuff like that? Absolutely. So the Auskick uh, usually um, play at half-time of the game um, from Hong Kong. So Hong Kong's got about 400, 500 kids on the Auskick um, here. So that they have a, a very large contingent travel for the game. We enter a team in the Shanghai Cup, which is the day before the um, game is played. Um, and also any local players that we have um, here in Hong Kong playing the, the um, aftermatch game in Shanghai, where we have two all-Asian two all-Asian teams um, play post-match. So there's always been involvement in, in those in that capacity. Obviously, you know, very much you know, any football played in Asia we, we try and get to. Um, yeah, just due to the lack of life, life sport here that we get as well. So we've always had a, had a touring group. Um, but I think more importantly, um, we've always been able to have a, have a team go up as well and, and also local representation, um, which is great for us, but also more so being able to support the teams out of Guangzhou, which you know, the, the guys helped form back, back some years ago. So to see that development, obviously, you know, after the time, effort, money that we've put in as a club in those early days and, you know, even more recently and the amount of work we've done with Port Adelaide, you know, the amount of the games we've played against their academy that they bring up through Hong Kong as well, the Aboriginal Academy, they bring here to play us. Uh, they did a couple of years ago and I think they were, they were planning to um, in the coming years as well. Absolutely clogged us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how, how do you reckon a group of uh, 17, 18-year-olds Jet AFL Academy players go against a group of middle-aged Australian men <laughs> in 36-degree heat, 95% humidity. <laughs> well, that was another thing I wanted to know because when I was in Hong Kong, I um, I don't remember what month it was. But I remember I'd wake up in the hotel and be like, oh, what a lovely day it is today. This is back when I was a smoker, Rifty, and I'd go downstairs at 7 a.m., walk out the doors of the hotel and just be like, oh, God, this is shit. This is terrible weather. <laughs> like, it's just the stickiness and the humidity. How do you guys cope? playing it with it across there it's normally not too bad i mean to be fair well normally our season's ending now so well our local season sort of ends now so we normally take a bit of a break and then afl afl champs is normally in later in the year sort of around in october time so to be fair we don't play in the peak of summer but those few months either side it is you know absolutely horrendous you know you're just walking to the ground you come out you're already sweating and you know to do that and you just got to be real careful. And talking about the AstroTurf as well, you know, the heat that just beams up off that is, is, is horrendous. And, you know, you just literally, you get the heat from above, below, and you really don't want to get thrown on the ground because you come back up with literal heat burn uh, from all the, little rubber, all the rubber stuff they wear on the, on the, on the pitches. But uh, it is something you definitely get used to, though. Um, I remember I used to play in Dubai beforehand and went along to my first session. I was pretty... Pretty thought I was pretty fit at that point, coming straight from Oz. Went across there, and there were these, you know, 35 year old blokes running around better than I was. And I was like, How, "How's this even happening?" You know. So I think it's it's definitely something that you get used to, and you sort of, you know, it's uh, you know not playing in the, the hail or the snow of Ballarat, where I'm from, and um, you know, trying to <laughs> trying to do something a bit different. Yeah, I, I honestly don't think I'd get used to it. It was I was there for about a, well, I think I was there in Hong Kong for ten days, and didn't get used to it at all. But what it did do, though, is a bloke with a bald head. 
the sun there gave me we had a great tan though, so I will give it that. <laughs> you got enough shine up here. <laughs> There's not enough um, Gatorade water or anything for all our guys to be able to cope with that kind of heat. You just our guys are bitching when it's we play a pracky match in you know the middle of March and it hits you know 25 degrees and it's bloody too hot. So and that's without the humidity. Yeah, most of our games, uh, we normally do round robin type games too. So it's not just sort of one, one, you know, one game and you're done. You sort of, you sort of straggled out over a, you know, five to six hour period. You might play the first game and the last game, which is where the Cobras always get the short end of that. And we always play the end, the first game and the last game. And you know, you got to find some sort of shade and some sort of hydration, a bit of ice too. And try and keep off the beers before the before that last game. <laughs> the, good, the good thing is Ching Tao are, are predominantly water-based beers. <laughs> and very cheap. All right, you can ask the next question, Rifty, mate, just since I know you enjoy this question now. All right, so it's time to get to the social side of things. We, we love to find out about the social side of clubs. And you mentioned you, you go on a few tours and things like that. But the, the main one that we're finding that, they do well around the the globe is uh, Grand Final Day. So, what do you guys do over in Hong Kong for AFL Grand Final Day? Well, we probably have. Uh, it, would it be nearly the biggest, Alex? Oh, Jesus uh, Christ! It'll, it'll be nearly the biggest function. We we book out. So, at Happy Valley, it's a part of the Hong Kong Football Club. So, the Hong Kong. When I say football, we're talking soccer. Um, the Hong Kong Football Club on the, on the. I think it's the back. I can't remember of the yeah. straight. The, the, the last straight on the, uh, the last corner. And um, basically they've got a ballroom that hosts a thousand people. And um, we have the huge big screen up um, and we basically kit that out with a, with a free fire drinks package and a huge screen and what more could go wrong, you know? We've always been pretty lucky because you know, it's that time of year where teams of the local footy clubs have been uh, knocked out of finals or, <laughs> or their season's finished up or, so we typically get a lot of touring football teams or a lot of bucks parties. So we've had we've had a few, we've had a lot of kind of you know, ex AFL players and current AFL players uh, who, get, who get to tie one on in their uh, on their you know, with their off season. So there's been a couple of uh, interesting interesting uh, half times uh, with some ex- with some current AFL players who <laughs> were <laughs> overindulged, but. You know, we've always kind of tied it in with having, you know, someone from Adelaide, obviously being our, our major sponsor there for a long time. So we've been lucky to have guys like, you know, Russell Ebert. Um, we've had, you know, Ollie Wines. We've had, you know, Captain. Yeah. He's not there anymore. But, yeah. Who have come over and, and helped, you know, be, you know, I, you know, like sportsmen's kind of lunches, I guess. You know, obviously mixed in with the, with the game and thousands of beers. Yeah, and we normally play a bit of a game in the morning on the on the main pitch at the football club as well, which is kind of good. We've had always, you know, the generally as Alex mentioned, you know, we always have some AFL guys come across, and we've had some guys from mostly Port over the past few years, but other clubs as well that have come across, and they'll run a session with the kids in the morning, um, you know, and then have a little run around, run a few drills for us, which is always, you know, kind of nice for us to have a have a few beers with a few of these sort of fellas and um, sort of show them the sights of Hong Kong. I think probably the more the most iconic AFL moment in in Hong Kong history was uh, Adam Cooney doing the worm on a Hong Kong taxi. <laughs> so it kind of embodies the dragon being a social footy club. I think it's the Esky down Long Pai Fong yeah. onto the worm off the front of the taxi. Was, uh... <laughs> or, uh, it's, just, it's just lucky there wasn't a 
footage of that getting around, that's for sure. There is somewhere. That's the best part. Back in, back in 09, I think it was, we've also had um, Jonathan Brown tell us he only, drink, he only drinks beers and smoke starts and until Monday morning in Hong Kong when he's drinking a vodka raspberry. <laughs> we've always been lucky to have, you know, the social side lead, lead the footy club in that manner. And, you know, I think, you know, Hong Kong is a, a place where, you know, the footy footy teams can come and come and enjoy themselves. So AFL Grand Final Day has always been a way in which, you know, a lot of clubs tie in with that. A lot of, a lot of people, we get a lot of, um, you know, travellers coming through Hong Kong as well. So, yeah, it's 500 plus, you know, no worries um, each year. And it's only getting bigger as, as, mm. as we kind of tie in more of these of these touring teams as well as kind of the, the local yeah. AFLs kick and, and the Dragons ourselves. Yeah, it uh, sounds awesome. Again, I'm going to have to cut it out, unfortunately, because the the first question we're going to get when our boys hear this is, uh, so when are we planning our footy trip to Hong Kong for grand final day? And That's typically what happens. So, yeah, we're going to have to cut it out because I don't want to have to deal with the guys. Sorry, that... well, what did you say? <laughs> well, one of the, uh, an ex-AFL Richmond player was known as the vampire because he didn't see daylight in Hong Kong. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm sure we've got a few boys that'll uh, put a challenge to that one, that's for sure. You've just um, insulted me there, mate, by FYI, Rifty. Insulted you? Yeah, people don't want to get to my grand final anymore, eh? Mate, <laughs> we keep saying we're going to lose more and more players all around the world. And if, if our guys here, grand final day at Happy Valley, okay. overlooking the straight, mate, the first thing they're going to say is, when are we planning a footy trip and how much is it going to cost? And I'll tell you now. <laughs> our guys, our guys went over... Our major, one of our major sponsors, so we can probably, <laughs> we, we probably sort, you, sort you out a deal. <laughs> oh, shit. All right, I'll keep that bit keep, out no, too. Keep, keep that in, keep that in. <laughs> I wouldn't mind a footy trip to Hong Kong, mate. Just, uh, yeah. Maybe not this year. Uh, we, we've had one footy trip go overseas to Bali and um, due to legal reasons, we can't talk about it. Only allegations, I bet. Yeah. All right. This is nicely said there, Riffy. Normally when you mention that, I start getting scared about what you're going to say. <laughs> but um, So anyway, we've spoke to quite a few Asian clubs and we're learning that they do a lot of work within their community. Is that the same with you guys across in Hong Kong? Yeah, well, I guess kind of, yeah, as you mentioned, Danny, yeah, we've predominantly focused on the greater China area. So, so the greater Bay Area of, you know, the Guangdong, Shenzhen region, the local development in the past. But more recently, in the last few years, that's been self-managed from, you know, money provided by Port Adelaide to have full-time staff in that area. So we've been, you know, we have had less of an influence in terms of you know running that day to day, which we used to do, which took up a huge range, a huge range of resource and money. Um, locally here, um, we have tried to do um, some clinics and the like, but you know it, it's just very difficult to get that involvement from the local community without putting you know huge amount of resources, time, money towards that, and just time and, and resource in which we don't have currently. We looked in the past of you know how much funding we would need to have you know a full to full time staff to, to help develop the footy for us and be you know almost like a senior coach development manager with obviously we'd have to have support from you know the AFL and the like but 
you know, it, it just doesn't make economic sense to, to do that. And I think now in consideration that, you know, with the work that's being done in mainland China, not, not Hong Kong, and being the primary focus for the AFL, looking at Chinese company sponsorship, not Hong Kong company sponsorship, we see that really taking, you know, the, the front foot on, 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 the, on that. For us, you know, the development we do is, is predominantly going into AFLW um, and, and also then the, the junior footballers coming through from, from the AFL Oz kick. Oh, fantastic. Hopefully we see some uh, fruits from that develop and you see some well, uh, yeah. young, young Hong Kong residents making their way. Oh, over. Yeah. So, so, so the, the famous Adelaide swap with Carlton draft pick was Liam Stocker, who was a, who's a Hong Kong product. So he spent most of his junior footy with Auskick here and then went down for his final year um, for, of school to be then selected in or to pick 20 in the uh, one of the most famous uh, draft swaps of all time, which hasn't exactly paid dividends for the Blues yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm a Blues supporter. So I didn't know he, he uh, was from over there, but um, that's interesting to know. And, and hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, he bloody shows the, the reason why he was picked at 20 sooner rather than later, that's for sure. Absolutely. So, not that it costs us too much in the end, uh, but anyway. Um, well, let's learn a bit about you guys' actual playing careers. What what posies do you guys play? Do you want us to stand up? That might give you a bit of an indication. <laughs> <laughs> um, general local, sort of the local comps, um, I normally play, in, play a bit in the ruck and stuff. We, we try and share out sort of tools around our few teams to make it somewhat even. Um, so we sort of, that's where I sort of, sort of ruck forward sort of thing. And then when we go to champs, you sort of that versatility of being a, you know, a bit higher level competition. We sort of, you know, play in those sort of more key positions, sort of sort of positions. Um, Alex for the for the Cobras, he's put himself a, a halfback this year. So I, how's I, that going to go, Alex? I've, I've spent twenty years playing forward, and I've realised the, the easiest job is a backman's job. So <laughs> I've, I've decided that I've decided that's me from now on. <laughs> Do I need to say anything, Rifty, or what, mate? Uh, well, I'll, you're going to take it. And it, um, take offence to that, aren't you? Because as a full forward, you think you've got the hardest job on the ground out there. He just so. said that the forward was, hard, was harder too. The easier job was the backman's job. Yeah. Exactly. And again, you're just gonna, he's going to say yeah. what he always says. So all backmen are just failed forwards. That's all. <laughs> or, just, or just older forwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all that actually, yeah. Um, but you both, both mentioned that you're from Victoria. So did you guys play down here and if you did give your local clubs a bit of a shout out yeah so i'm from um Kyabra. so i grew up um in gbl heartland and played in kind of there till juniors and then for uh, lancaster and merrigan in the Kyabra district footy league before a short stint at west coburg footy club there in melbourne before getting over to uh hong kong so did did did, a, did a, most of my uh like football um though in, in around the Kyabra region Obviously, better known for kind of Gary Lyon country or Kane better for a fairly strong line of, of AFL footballers. Uh, unfortunately, I was neither blessed with uh, speed, height, or skill. So I didn't quite follow in their uh, illustrious footsteps. Um, but yeah, I sort of, I didn't pick up the game until a little bit later. I played um, I played uh, half a dozen games in the Central Highlands League um, up in, in Ballarat um, for the Bunny on Bombers. 
And um, later that year, I moved over to Dubai and that's where I, my sort of footy career started. I ended up, I mentioned it before, went down to the pub and met a few fellas and off I went to training. And then the next week I knew I was flying to Muscat in Oman to play a game of footy with some blokes I hadn't just met that last week. So, um, and that was four years over there um, and then made the connection to move over here. So I've really only been playing for about eight years and um, all that's basically been internationally. Yeah. My old man has never seen me play footy, to be fair. So that's pretty random. It's amazing how many people that we've spoken to that are expats that barely played a game in Australia. But then as soon as, well, not as soon as I moved overseas, but moved overseas and have played it the whole time across there. It's almost like it's just a little bit of home that I have with them. But uh, Alex, you mentioned uh, you played at Mirigam up, up the, is that the Bendigo, is it? Uh, it's up, so closer to Shepherd and Echuca. Closer to Shepherd, yep. Yeah. Um, so I just want to give them a massive shout out. We done a hashtag thing at the start of this whole COVID period, which now looking back at it was months ago, and they were a big part of uh, Sandown getting that off the ground. So big shout out to that club out that way. But um, so one of the questions I like to know is what number do you guys wear? Uh, <laughs> good, good question. <laughs> Can I call a friend? It's <laughs> changed a lot here. There's always there's always someone coming in and trying to get their favourite number. You know, it's always a bit of a ranking system. So I've been here for a while now. So I've actually got my coveted number nine um, that I've sort of transited in through a few different sports and whatnot. And um, but you know, who knows? Whoever organised our jumpers, you rock up and you'll have a different one next year. <laughs> you, you, you typically want to make friends with the uh, merchandise <laughs> manager to try and get your number. I think. Last year, I think I was 37. So as I've, as I've been here longer, and I, you know, the, the, the higher number I get. So I think that's probably probably closely linked to uh, where I'm also playing. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with the higher numbers. I wear number 42 and Rifty for as long as I can remember until this year, we're number 67. So there's nothing wrong with the higher numbers. Nah. Um, why do you wear 67, Rifty? It's a bit of a... No, oh, because when I came to the club, there was a hundred odd blokes there and they're like, Oh, what number do you want? I'm like, well, can I get number six? Like, ah, no chance. I'm like, I get number seven, no chance. All right. What about 67? So yeah. I wasn't actually, I thought it might be like a yeah, gridiron number or something like that. So that's why I thought what we're talking about. Nah, but can, my gridiron yeah. number was five. So <laughs> makes sense. But um, anyway, yeah, a bit high. yeah. So who do you guys follow in the AFL? Um, well, we, we, had, we had a drought team to draw the other night, so we're, we're not overly thrilled about that result. But I'm a Pies man, and um, this fellow here is probably the, the most loose Tiger supporter you'll probably meet. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm the happiest. <laughs> Actually flown back for the last few grand finals, Alex. Yeah, I, I, I only attend ones we win. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Um, 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 we know of a couple guys that could uh, lay claim to the loosest Tiger supporter, though. So um, <laughs> don't get us all in one room. If you want them, you can have them. Let's <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how they go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, we'd never see him again. <laughs> I don't reckon he'd even get there. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> yeah. So fair course. Uh, but how do you guys get to watch the AFL over there? Yeah, so so we've obviously got a major sponsor, um, McSorley's Pub, who who screen every game for us. Um, as a part of you know the international memberships of your AFL club, uh, you also get access to watch AFL, the Fox Footy Channel, um, for international subscribers. 
So we're most of us are either international members of our football club. So obviously me of Richmond and Kobe of the Pies, where you get access to Fox Footy, all the specials, all the all the games live. Um, and then you know, obviously most of the pubs here, um, most of the sports bars will show most games as well, which is always quite nice. You actually end up watching more football over here than yeah. you would back home because it's that, you know, that touch of home or it's that social element of going down and having just catching up with your mates down at the bar and you don't really care about what game's on. You end up watching, you know, you end up watching about six or seven games of footy every weekend for some reason. And one of the best deals, you know, the AFL have done is with um, ABC International. So in Australia, plus the television station for Australians through Asia. Um, where they they screen six of the nine games yeah. on on telly here, as well as then obviously the watch AFL pass through streaming. So yeah, we're, we're quite you know lucky to have that access. And I know a lot of a lot of places around the world that you know I've been particularly don't have that. So you know it, we're we're quite lucky in Asia that the AFL had the foresight um, to to build that connection with the ABC. And you know obviously before the NRL did, didn't you? Know, they're on a subscription based channel, mm-hmm. and you know you rarely see an NRL game here in Hong Kong. Yeah, we're speaking to a few clubs around the world and they are lucky to see one game a, a, a weekend and that's just purely based on, A, the time frame, the time that it's on and the uh, the toughness of actually finding a game to watch. Um, but you mentioned about your major sponsor. How do you guys go about getting sponsors across there? <laughs> well, actually, we've been quite... We've actually been quite... We've, we've, been quite, we've done all right due to the nature that um, we are such a large club and... We've always had um, guys support us, you know, who are in fairly senior business positions, um, like Tomo at Michael Page is a long-term sponsor, the the, uh, the managing director there. We've had obviously Flight Center have been involved in the past. Um, at the moment now, we um, we have some property um, salespeople from Australia who are selling um, Australian properties to expats. We've had we've got uh, Oriana Financial Services uh, providing financial advice for Australians in Hong Kong. And tax planning, and obviously, you know, having you know pubs and bars and restaurants—the <laughs> the, the more the more fancy ones—is uh, it has also been you know relatively easy for us, just due to the nature that you know most nights we can bring forty to sixty people down to a pub and you know drink most of the night. <laughs> so that we've always been quite lucky in that sense. We've had to, you know, obviously diversify, you know, in large part just due to the nature of wanting. You know, further flight sponsors those flights and now um, have moved on we've, we've got an, another um, travel agency involved and uh, we've had you know a, a range of you know different supporters throughout we've also had certain tour supporters so we did a USA tour back in 2015 where we had um, Gav Parry International and one of our vice president at the time sponsored the whole trip which was uh, very generous of him um, to, and that which helped made that happen um, but importantly, you know, majority of our money, yeah, through the early, you know, 2010s to 2015s, you know, was through Port Adelaide. Yeah. Um, they were they were writing a fairly substantial check for us to develop the game before they got full time staff in in, in uh, Guangzhou. It's not a bad uh, sponsorship to have the Port Adelaide Football Club. Um, but you mentioned about your trip to the USA. Was that to play games? I'm going to guess. Yeah, so we went. We played in the uh, the Bay Region, so San Francisco. Um, they have a tournament every year. I think you guys spoke to some of the USA AFL people. Um, you know, we, we we toured around the games being played around Robin Tournament. 
Uh, I think about half the team showed up <laughs> uh, on time. <laughs> Some didn't show up at all. Uh, what was uh, touted as a uh, football trip was very much a social, social trip. football trip. Um, and that was based around being able to tour. We had in the past organised to go, which uh, fell through at the last minute, um, to travel to Ireland um, due to our Gaelic connections here in Hong Kong. One of the things we haven't mentioned and kind of would be remiss if we didn't, we host a Jim Stein's Memorial Cup match each year where we play half a game of football with AFL ball and half a game of football with the Gaelic ball against the Gaelic team here, raising money for the Jim Stein's charity, um, Reach uh, Foundation. Um, so we had you know, made great connections and, and have a long established history with the Irish community here. So we had planned to go to Dublin um, some, some time ago, but uh, last minute travel plans <laughs> fell through, unfortunately. So we're hoping to you know, get international tours, not just pan-regional tours um, up in the future. So who usually wins them games against the Gaelic team? Uh, we haven't won one in 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're, they're, they're all kind of semi-professional yeah. jets, essentially, and, and we're, we're not. At least five <laughs> to 10 years younger than us, generally, too. <laughs> yeah, and probably about 30% less on the body weight as well. <laughs> uh, so they've given us a touch-up and then quite, you know, big touch-ups as well. Um, it's always a really physical match too. It's, it's something, it's probably, we, we normally play that in a nice lead-up to our champs. It's, you know, as, as much as our, our local games are, you know, somewhat heated, it's always that reservation. You don't want to slam your mate into the ground kind of thing that, you know, that sort of gets all put on the line when you play these Jim Steins matches. Got a, got a bit of pride there, how to kick the round ball and how to kick our ball as well. That uh, sounds fantastic. We spoke to a couple of teams over in Ireland, and um, they're, yeah, they're quite quite good at uh, adapting to the the Aussie game over there. And um, like you said, uh, the the fact that they play a Gaelic game as as serious and professional as it is treated over there, and it's not even considered a professional sport, is amazing. Um, and yeah, for, they're they're bloody fit and fast, and and you, you just look you look at all the the Irish guys that have made it to the AFL, and they're all very similar type players, very quick, very skillful, and and uh, yeah, the yeah. circle's pretty pretty a lot smaller than what ours is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, hey, dog. It's uh, time for your your favourite part. This is where we get you to throw some teammates under the bus. Um, as we like to call it anyway. Um, so what do you got at dog? All right, fellas, what we'll do, I'll ask the question. I'll get Alex to answer first and then Cody to answer second, just so that way we can have a nice system in place. So who at the Hong... And also that way, so if uh, Cody or Alex throws you on the bus, mate, you can get him back. So I guess that's the <laughs> way we're going to do it. Um, so who at the Hong Kong Dragons would you say is the class clown? Oh, um... Well, it depends on if you mean like laughing at them or laughing with them. Uh, <laughs> laughing at, yeah, we yeah. prefer laughing at the uh, El Presidente and the the, the the sheriff himself, uh, Jake McCauley. Uh, he'd have to be up there in the in the top echelons. And laughing with uh, would be the Barossa's greatest export outside of Penfolds. Would be uh, Jock Old, one of the uh, one of the one of the old family wines uh, founders. Uh, after a couple of reds, it gets funnier, and after a couple more, it gets even funnier than that. 
Yeah, I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to pretty much agree with you, Alex. So the, both of those fellas, you you put them on tour, I'll give them a microphone, and uh, the the post post game votes are always a bit of a highlight on a on a bus ride back home. So they're always always a bit of the class clown. I like it. Uh, how about the party animal? Oh, Jesus! Some some, <laughs> some good options. Some really good options. Uh, we've, we've got some midweek specialists, we've got some weekend specialists. Uh, some Wednesday night no happy valley specialists. We've got some tourism specialists, and uh, we've got some one try specialists. We actually have a, um, we actually have a, a, a touring uh, thing we call the yellow jersey. And uh, the yellow jersey gets printed, it's a fresh one with a little dragon's logo on the front every tour we go on. And uh, if you're wearing the yellow jersey, you're generally leading the pack. Um, that's always happened post game. So there's always um, always someone who's wearing that. Our last season winner of the off season award was uh, actually a guy who actually doesn't play. He's a social member. He's actually a tennis coach in Hong Kong. Um, guy called Kane. He uh, he basically runs the water, but he's the best in the in the off season and uh, playing playing absolute mark. There's a few boys who like like to tie one on, and I think Hong Kong being, as you mentioned, so condensed, it's uh, it's pretty easy to get a beer any time of the day with with a couple of mates. So I think there's a, there's a few a few people who throw their hands up for, for that one. Um, I think at the moment, um, some of the boys who are who are going all right um, is uh, probably <laughs> some of the typhoons that um, seem to have had a bit of a crack last last uh, yeah. Friday at a long lunch. So their captain and the club captain, I think, for this year, uh, Darren Brackenridge, he's been uh, in, in fine. Mid- he's, a, he's a midday specialist. And the nighttime specialist, uh, Shepo, is a kind of seven to a nine operator. <laughs> and, uh, after nine o'clock, anyone's. I like it. There's plenty, plenty of uh, party animals. That's... Uh... The ye- the yellow top, I like that idea. That's yeah. almost. I don't, I don't mind that. I don't mind that. It gets a very good run, and it's very coveted. If you can wake up with the yellow jersey in the new morning, it's uh. It's a race. If you're still wearing it the next day, that's even better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, similar to us. We have a, a captain of the footy trip, as usually, usually was the best on on the previous football trip the year before, and so they get to, to set the bar, but um. Yeah, last year's captain was pretty ordinary anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, who's the person that just takes the game far too seriously for, for a social footy match? Dano. Dano, 100%. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. Uh, yeah he um, plays full forward, so he's a, he's a fairly solid unit. And, um, you know, my football year is, you know, we, we, we talk about it in a, you know, a fairly... You know, sense that we're we're all very competitive people, and the rest. We're mo- most of the time it is social footy, uh, except when you're kind of backing into a pack and you know Dane's coming the opposite <laughs> way, and you can already feel the ribs starting to crack a little bit. So, <laughs> big, big Dano takes it seriously, and uh, at champs uh, for sure, uh, big Sam Sauce Agars, yeah. um, one of uh, country Australia's country footy's finest. He uh, and came over here as a journalist at the uh, SCMP on, on on racing of all things. <laughs> as soon as he hits the footy field at champs, get out of his way. He's, he's about the size of, size of a door, and uh, <laughs> make make sure he's felt like a bull in a china shop. Oh, very nice. All right, but uh, who's the the bloke that you wouldn't want to room with on one of these uh, trips away? <laughs> I, I, uh, I think there's a couple there. That's, 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 a, that's a very loaded question. 
lot, lot, lot of insinuation connotation there, isn't there? Um, I don't. I think just for uh, going going out all night uh, or being loudest. Oh, most of them are retired now. Yeah, I mean, there's, 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 there's a few of the old, the old, the old, the older boys who tend tend to be the ones who get get the weekend off and tend to be the ones who uh, tie tie one on the strongest. Uh, Wino and kind of those blokes tend tend to go Salty. all right. Salt, <laughs> the, the Saltesian, he, he, he seems to be the one who who you typically are, are trying to phone at you know eleven a.m. on a Sunday morning to get the bus back to the airport. Type <laughs> operation. We've had a, we've had a, I like most uh, Asian. Football tour. There's been a, a numerous lost passport um, along the, along the way. Some emergency uh, passport issues in the local consulate. Some, <laughs> some consulate action. There's a range of blokes who uh, who could fit that mould for sure. Not there, though. Yep, I think yeah. you shut yourself. All good. No. <laughs> I can hear you guys perfectly fine the whole time. So that's all right. Yeah, you froze for a bit. Uh, yeah. Okay, you're up. Ah. Uh, so, who's got the best nickname? The best nickname? What about Maddie? Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, we've got a new, new fellow, Maddie. He's got his, somehow got nicknamed the Stripper. We're not really sure where that comes from, but uh, <laughs> he, he's not too much of a fan of it, but uh, it's actually stuck pretty well at the moment. Yeah, there's been a few of said tend to have um, kind of been born out of, uh, out of football, mm. sidestep, uh, hammer. Yeah. I mean, good, 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 good nicknames that tend to have stuck there after not having them before they'd come to Hong Kong. Yeah. So most people try and bring their old nickname if it's any good. Uh, <laughs> we've actually had one story, which is probably one, one, of, one of the all-time greats. We had a bloke uh, join our uh, footy club and it's not very often you get an email from one of the blokes who are moving to Hong Kong's best mate to say, make sure when this bloke gets here, you call him Pumper. He, <laughs> ha- he, he, hate, he hates the nickname and we want <laughs> oh that's cool that's uh one of the things ed dog has asked some of these international clubs is has there been blokes that have just rocked up and introduced himself as a nickname and gone yeah hi i'm i'm mad dog on hollywood that hollywood just trying to get themselves a new nickname and the fact that these mate went out of his way to make sure that nickname kept going is is gold. I love it. Just through the contact us page, just making sure he got it. Just making sure he got it. Yeah, just hit us up through the Facebook and uh, just said, "Oh, this fellow's coming across. He loves this nickname." Da da da. To be fair, he, he's warming to it. This is about three, three years later. We, we 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 held it pretty closely until we went on tour, and we waited for the bus trip back after the game, and everyone was all happy and had, had a few. A few beers, and then we kind of let it. We kind of let the story go and set the bus. Basically, set the bus into the the stereo. Oh, that's awesome! I love the fact we we added this question, Rifty. It's a great question that one about nicknames. Um, so which two blokes at the club have the biggest bromance? Ooh, it has to be. I don't know. Well, it used to be Barb's and anyone. Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, yeah. And then, kind of more recently, um, the midweekers have a bit of a yeah. They've got, a, they've got a bit going on. There's a, there's always some Thursday night specialists that get around that obviously only got one more day of work that they need to sort of you know blokes kick, who, kick through. Blokes who have group chats with only three blokes on it kind of stuff. <laughs> 
what's that all about? Called the midweek specialist. Yeah, what's that all about? <laughs> no, no questions asked. All good. Yeah, that's concerning. Yeah. That, but yeah. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, very nice. It's uh, been great to chat with you guys. And um, where can everyone go to find more about the Hong Kong Dragons? And maybe you know, if anyone's heading over, they make sure you'll get the right nicknames for blokes and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, or, or your mates are coming yeah, over. Right. Make sure you send us their nicknames as well. <laughs> more importantly. Uh, um, yeah, we're like like most clubs where we've got a Facebook page, which is where majority of our uh, events and details are located. We're updating our uh, our website again, uh, thanks to Accurate IT and Darren Brackenridge for his uh, support for keeping that running with our uh, e-commerce site. We actually had um, uh, I, I, I need to have a check whether we've got a, we used to have an international membership for ex players, so we send them a polo and a and a footy jumper every year as well, which is what used to be quite popular considering that. Blokes who are doing pre-season, you know, tend to want to wear a, a lighter jumper than a normal footy jumper. So if, we, if anyone wants to get merchandise, you can also get it from our hk-dragons.com site where um, most of our other information is located. Yeah, and we run out a weekly mailer as well through the website there. So you can just sort of, any sort of in-jokes or events and stuff get posted through that. Um, you guys found, found us through the socials, obviously, with Facebook and Insta as well. Know, trying to amp that up and you know trying to create that that atmosphere of social not only here but keeping in touch with family and friends back home as well yeah very nice anything else that no i just want to thank you guys for joining us um seven days later than what we originally had planned unfortunately due to it was a lightning strike or something like that last week it was pretty heavy <laughs> we've had it all so after COVID, we've had a typhoon on the weekend we've had that weekend we had fourteen thousand light lightning strikes across the weekends um i'm waiting for the locust uh next yeah. um it's a play but still here and uh still playing football yeah, an announcement to get some grounds in a few days so we're, we're fingers crossed on all this stuff too so yeah i'm not gonna lie to you i was out here last monday i'm going up i had a decent weekend and i'm like about three o'clock right, i'm gonna go for we had a public holidays so like okay i'll go for a quick nap so that way at 6 30 i'm ready to go i'm not too tired and then phone went off email from from alex i'm like all right, I'm just going to, might as well stay up and just go to bed nice and early. So. Perfect. You've got, you've, got, you've got me a lot better than I would have been last last Monday. So not the worst thing in the world. But uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, we really do appreciate it. And hopefully you guys can get some footy in this year. And um, yeah, and hopefully everything works out for you guys moving forward with Port Adelaide and footy over in Hong Kong and in China. Thanks, boys. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having us. And uh, we'll be in touch uh, probably more around the uh, our partnership with the Kowloon Cobras. And the, yeah. <laughs> I think we'll be... Uh, well, a couple of new recruits. A couple of new know. recruits, it sounds like. Yeah. It's a sister club alliance and a, probably a footy trip. So that's great. Yeah, no, yeah. it all sounds good. It sounds yeah. fantastic to me. <laughs> but we are looking for a, um, a travel agent to sponsor us so we can start visiting some clubs uh-huh. around the world. So if you, you want to throw, throw our name their way um that'd be much appreciated but yeah thanks again for joining us guys and more importantly hopefully the weather holds up for you guys and you're not bloody out there getting struck by lightning or freaking blown away in the typhoon yeah we'll, we'll be right <laughs> take care guys, thanks, guys. Thanks. thanks guys thanks for watching the cobra cast with the present vp and if you need somebody to talk to, why not contact New Life Psychology in Berwick? They are now taking phone appointments. 
or you could head to otlr.com.au for tips and info. And we are supporters of TAC's Towards Zero campaign. Head to towardszero.vic.gov.au for more info because zero is the only acceptable number. Hey Siri, play the Cobra cast with the present VP. Now playing podcast.